0: Hi, it's Manoush. Come take a little walk with me. Okay, so we are walking basically from my desk, about 100 yards, to the man who signs my checks. Just tell me your name so I can get level here.
1: My name is Jim Schachter.
0: And, um, Jim, what do you do here at WNYC?
1: I'm the vice president for news. Manoush, I'm your boss.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, you are. So, question for you. Back before you had a big, important job like this... I understand that you were a collector of sorts.
1: Well yes, I was a stamp collector. My mom and dad my mom primarily was a collector of blue chip stamps.
0: Okay, you know so Jim is a man so as he stamps, these are his words, I, not mine. He's uh, a man of a certain, a certain age and when he was, was growing up as a kid in Los Angeles, Angeles you
1: went to the grocery store, you uh, checked out and you got depending on the store either blue chip stamps or SNH green stamps as like a premium.
0: They had no cash value, but you took those stamps, you pasted them into little books.
1: And when you had enough books, you could go to the blue chip stamp redemption store and get a toaster or golf clubs.
0: Okay, so decades ago, the Schachter family was into blue chip stamps. What could we possibly... Compare them to today.
2: Bitcoin, which is essentially digital cash, is starting to be taken
3: seriously.
0: (laughs) Okay, I know. You've heard this a million times by now. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Two or three years ago, few of us had heard of them. Now we hear about the virtual currency freaking everywhere. It's like every tech or finance journalist feels like they have to cover it.
2: The value of each Bitcoin hit a new high. There are about eight, nine federal agencies that all touch Bitcoin in some sort of way. Websites Everything... are popping up that allow people to gamble with Bitcoin.
0: And just a reminder, in case you tuned out all those times a Bitcoin story popped up on TV or the radio... It's digital money made up of strings of code not issued by the government.
2: It also was designed to be untraceable and anonymous, so it would never be crushed under the jackboot of the man.
0: Okay, and frankly, every time I tuned into one of these news stories, I immediately wanted to tune out. What ev's, stop talking about it. But then New Tech City came across two stories about Bitcoin that actually intrigued me, that made me care. The first story involves not some shadowy hacker, but a
4: self-described old mom from the upstate hamlet of Rhinebeck, New York. Yeah, my children thought I was super cool that I had some, and then they think I'm a complete idiot because I can't find it. Oh my God, an old mom going on a Bitcoin goose chase?
0: Okay, this I can relate to. (laughs) (laughs) It just sounds crazy. Okay, and the second story takes us to a grocery store where a bunch of Bitcoin junkies like to get together to eat quinoa and talk dough.
2: It makes the most delightful sound every single time you receive Bitcoins. It sounds like money. (laughs) Cha-ching!
0: Oh my God, this is New Tech City's Bitcoin, but we're actually going to make it interesting show. I'm Manoush Samarodi. New Tech City producer Alex Goldmark is here. Hi, Alex. Hi, Manouche. And Alex, this Bitcoin show led you to someone named Gina Fox.
1: Well, actually, Manouche, she found us. New Tech City listener Gina Fox got in touch with us via Twitter, and she wanted to know if we could help her solve her Bitcoin problem.
4: When I told my children that I was going to be interviewed about, about Bitcoin, they were super impressed that I knew anything about Bitcoin. And then... That credibility quickly was lost when I realized that the reason I, I need your help is because I have no idea how to access my account.
0: Ah, oh, no. Wait. So Gina had bitcoins or has them, but she doesn't know where they are.
1: Right. And she's about the least likely person you'd imagine to own bitcoins. I thought that explaining how she ended up with them. And trying to help her find her lost stash would... Ah,
0: would be a good way to explain the weirdness
4: of Bitcoin. Nice, Alex. I
1: like weirdness. So, about Gina.
4: I serve on the Rhinebeck Town Board, and I'm a real estate agent for Sotheby's.
1: It's a lovely, even pastoral hamlet upstate. She offered to bring garlic from her garden when she came to visit us here in the studio.
4: I have nothing to do with technology.
1: She knew it was kind of odd that we would be talking to her about Bitcoin.
4: Well, because I'm an old mother. That's why. (laughs) Oh, I like her. What happened?
1: Yeah. Here's what we pieced together. She got an email a few years back, probably in 2009. She doesn't remember who it was from.
4: But I remember that the email was something like, click this link to open a Bitcoin account and get started with free Bitcoin.
1: She fills out the form, sets up an account, and gets what she thinks was 100 Bitcoins put in an account for free Mm, Somewhere.
0: Okay, wait a minute, though. Bitcoin prices are all over the map, you know, depending on what day it is, basically. But they have been up to close to $1,000 per Bitcoin, right?
1: Yeah. But when she set up that account that she can't find, the coins probably added up to a few dollars or even just pennies.
0: But so now you're saying that she might have $100,000 in an account somewhere? Yeah.
4: (laughs) Yeah. It just sounds crazy. Yeah, it does sound
0: crazy. And wait a minute, people were just basically giving away free bitcoins. But let's put the hunt for Gina's Ferrari fund on hold for a minute and do a little bit more explaining. I think we need that.
1: Sure thing. Let's think of bitcoins as money designed for the Internet age, or so the creators hope anyway. Each bitcoin is digital by nature. It's a long string of letters and numbers, and you can store that in a computer file basically like a text document, and you can pass them back and forth digitally like you would a dollar bill, except you can do this online as easy as sending an email, in theory. So Gina got a few of these, saved them in what they call a Bitcoin wallet, probably on her computer, maybe online with that account she set up, and then forgot about them.
0: dun 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 But this is where we come in, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, we're good at finding people who know more than we do, so this is also <laughs> where Alex Waters comes in. Uh, I invited him to come on down to the studio and meet Gina. <laughs> Gina.
4: Alex, hi. hi. Nice to meet you. Pleasure.
1: Meet, meet Alex Waters. He's our Bitcoin expert. Is... Another Alex. I know, it's a little complicated, but listen, we looked very different. He was a sharp young guy, mid-20s maybe, tailored suit, doing well for himself it seemed.
2: Hi, my name is Alex Waters. I'm the CEO of CoinApex.com. We're um, an incubator here in New York, and we work mostly on Bitcoin startups.
1: His company helps other companies use Bitcoins in ways that won't get them in legal trouble. And for a little while, Alex Waters worked on the volunteer Bitcoin team that keeps the whole system running. They call it core development. Anyway, he
2: knows his stuff. So I've worked on Bitcoin full time now for almost three years. Alex, how are you
4: as a mother? How are you paid? I mean, I presume you're paid in money.
2: Yep.
0: (laughs) Well, she's worried about Alex. <laughs> she's forgotten about her Ferrari. She wants to make sure that Alex has money to pay for his suit.
1: Fast friends were happening here in the studio. Okay. And then. New Tech City Way. Alex explains to her why he sees Bitcoin as a huge breakthrough.
2: So, Bitcoin is the first decentralized cryptocurrency. And this is something that was dreamed about for. You know, 30 years.
1: Because you see, there is a problem with cash. Like
0: I don't have enough, well. <laughs>
1: sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, sort of. More likely, though, that it's that you can't move cash around fast enough in the Internet age. If you want to give me $100 for my dedicated hard work on this show, you have to go through a bunch of steps to do it online. Each of those takes up time.
0: Okay, right. Like, So I put that cash in a bank account or a PayPal account. I have to wait a little bit for the confirmation. Then I tell my bank to send the money not to you, but to your bank.
1: Exactly. We wait again for the banks to confirm everything with each other, which is important for solving one very big problem. Double, double spending. spending. He <laughs> knew I was going there. <laughs> Bitcoin is designed so you don't need a bank to verify a transaction, but you also Can't spend your money in two places at once.
2: Now that this problem is solved of of double spending, where I can't send one person money and then copy and paste and send another person the same money, now that that problem is solved, we've really kind of opened the door to this really interesting future with with a, a currency that can be sent around the world within seconds without having to pay middlemen. Uh, person to person. So this is really quite revolutionary.
1: And the crypto part of the cryptocurrency, Manoush, is that it's secure. You can't just fake Bitcoin transfers. Alex explained how that works.
2: Think of a, a big piece of, of paper that's since a Grand Central station. And there's, you know, 30 people standing around watching that piece of paper. And when you want to send a transaction to someone, you'd come over and you write on that piece of paper, I want to send one Bitcoin from Alex to Gina.
1: And everyone in the room sees that Gina now has Alex's Bitcoin. So he can't also give it to
2: Manouche That's essentially what a ledger is. And Bitcoin has this public ledger where all the transactions that occur are broadcast to that ledger. They're written to it.
1: And the people standing around that piece of paper, they're not just looking. They're actually running computers that are processing some very difficult cryptography to verify that it's all real. Those people are called, in Bitcoin parlance, Miners. And that public ledger lives on all of their computers. So there's no central copy, but also no one person can fake it.
0: Okay, this part I know. The mining is how we basically get new bitcoins.
1: Exactly. Every 10 minutes, a few new bitcoins are released. That's the creation. And they get spread around among the people who processed the most recent transactions. The thing is, though, you don't put your name on the ledger like in Alex's metaphor. You put down an anonymous wallet address.
0: Which can make it, I'm sure, pretty tough to then track down any lost bitcoins, I bet. Exactly. Sorry, Gina. Right.
1: But in Gina's case, it's not because those coins don't exist. Her story is pretty credible, according to Alex Waters.
2: Yeah. It, in the early days, there was a lot of academic economists, academic cryptographers, and so a lot of people were just giving them out to each other to say hey play with this thing see see if you like it you know see what you think about it it was just to encourage uh academic discovery or or exploration
1: and so one of the original bitcoin boosters set up something called the bitcoin faucet that gave people accounts to trade bitcoins from and just gave away coins to whoever wanted it
0: the bitcoin faucet huh
1: yeah we missed the faucet mm-hmm. And Gina, well, we searched all of her email accounts. We searched Facebook, uh, but no trace of that account invitation. And since all the transactions on that Bitcoin ledger are anonymous, we hit a wall.
0: This sad, Alex.
1: <laughs> Here's the other Alex breaking it to her. You wuss.
2: Even if we find where the Bitcoins are, like they were on some old hard drive, if that old hard drive was, was thrown away or destroyed, it, it would still be hard to recover those Bitcoins.
1: What do you think about that, Gina?
4: Hmm. Well, that's kind of a drag.
1: (laughs) But she said it was still a net gain.
4: Right. I mean, nothing lost out of my pocket, you know, and it's been interesting to kind of learn about it, and it piqued my interest, and it got me to make a connection.
1: Cool. The way we left it was Gina was hiring a computer forensics expert for a few hundred bucks to hunt for any trace of the lost file on her old computer and we all agreed to stay in touch.
0: Oh my god, Alex, you're leaving out the best part. After you came out of the studio, you told me that she wants to set up the other Alex with someone from her town. So let us know if there's a love connection or if uh, Gina finds her stash, okay?
4: I hope so. I think they're still there somewhere. I
0: get that feeling. Okay, so money designed for the computer age. Which is why we thought it was so weird when reporter Audrey Quinn told us about these face to face gatherings that are happening in New York, at a Whole Foods, no less, where people are coming together, no, not to eat quinoa, but to trade these damn
3: bitcoins. We're going to follow Donald Duhaney for a minute. He's walking through a fancy Manhattan grocery store with a stack of bills in his pocket. He's ready to buy. But he doesn't glance at the shopping carts, or the organic kale, or even the samples of grilled salmon. He's here to find Michael Olson.
1: I'm looking to buy a
3: Bitcoin, tonight. Duhaney turns left. He heads up the stairs. There's a big, sprawling food court. People in business clothes mill around tables and couches. One of them smells action. Oh, $1,000 worth. He brings Duhaney to the thin man in a cardigan. He's in an armchair off to the corner. So, if I give you a thousand, um, could I get like partial? Like one and a a partial and one? That's how it works. Okay, so I'll do a thousand. Duhaney's a pretty eager first timer. Olsen keeps this cool. You ready? Yeah. This is a downtown Manhattan Whole Foods market. But every Monday night, it's also an unofficial Bitcoin market. People can come and buy and sell this new virtual currency, direct, face to face. The regulars call it Satoshi Square. That's a nod to the creator of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, who may or may not be a real person. Uncertainty is par for the course for Bitcoin traders. And there's a lot of them here tonight. Here, there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I count at least 25 of them. They're sitting or standing in small clusters near the cafe. It's a lot of young people, definitely a lot of young people. Bailey Reutzel is 24 herself. She writes for a finance trade magazine, and she's a regular buyer here. She fits in with the crowd. Most of them dress like they work at a tech startup. Um, Plaid shirts, beards, glasses, computers. Um, Everybody has their computer out or their phone out. Those computers and phones hold their Bitcoin wallets.
2: I keep Bitcoins on my computer. I keep them on, on on my MacBook here.
3: When someone here wants to buy Bitcoins from someone else, they use a trading app on their phone. It turns the address of their wallet into a scannable QR code. So the buyer hands the seller cash... Then the seller scans the buyer's QR code with his phone. And the bitcoins transfer from wallet to wallet. It makes the most delightful sound every single time you receive bitcoins. Cha-ching! Ivan Brightly trades here just about every other week. He's 37, and he works for a telecom company.
2: It sounds like money. It sounds like coins dropping.
3: (laughs) Buying bitcoins online can be harder than you might think. You have to do it through an established bitcoin exchange site. You need some kind of trading account. You also have to give your bank information, your routing numbers... Then you have to wait a few days to get that verified. And then you have to wait until they have enough bitcoins to sell you, which can take a week or more. But in person, here at Satoshi Square, it's a lot neater than that.
2: You can create an address on, on a phone or on a, um, a device. You can bring that address here, you can do a cash transaction, and there is absolutely nothing that will tie you back to those bitcoins should you choose to hold them for years and years to come. There's a certain... A certain tilt to the the mentality of everybody here uh, libertarian ideas um and, and i think also for that reason uh, you might run across a few people who might not want to say their name on record
3: that's eric he's 32 and that's all he gives me because he says there's no knowing how much his bitcoins might be worth someday
2: the only way to store bitcoins really is to keep it keep the information in your apartment so you know that all these guys basically are sleeping with a million dollars under the mattress And if I said my name now, you could go back and find me in three years from now and know that I have multi-millions of dollars under my mattress. I'm going to. I'm going to be a millionaire, yeah. I think everybody in this room here is going to be a millionaire.
3: The people here are pretty amped, like they're on to something the rest of us don't know about. And they've caught on when the getting is good. The price of a Bitcoin has gone up 7,000% in the past year. So if that kind of growth continues, then yeah, these folks with a few bitcoins today will be millionaires pretty soon. And our friend, first-timer Donald Duhaney with a stack of cash in his pocket, he's here to get in on the action. Back in the far corner, he and Michael Olson finish up their trade. You ready? Yeah. They've agreed that Duhaney's $1,000 will get him 1.2 of Olson's bitcoins. It may be Duhaney's first time, but he came prepared. He has his trading app all set up on his phone. With a few taps, he brings up the QR code that represents his Bitcoin wallet address. He hands it to Olson. Scanning. Olson aims his phone's camera at the screen of Duhaney's phone. He taps it, and 1.2 of Olson's bitcoins automatically transfer into Duhaney's wallet. I missed this stuff. <laughs> oh, now's where
2: you show me the cash. Oh yeah. Two, three.
3: Duhaney's counting out $1, $100 bills. Mm-hmm thousand and five dollars. Okay, great. Thank you. I asked Olson, the thin man in the chair, why he likes trading bitcoins in person and not online. And he says he's like the shoppers down in the Whole Foods Produce section. He likes to buy local.
2: Just feels better. You buy your groceries local, it makes sense to, you know, do as much as you can
3: as close to you as you can do it. And it looks like other people agree. Satoshi Square has spun off into at least 10 copycat local Bitcoin markets across the world. For New Tech City, I'm Audrey Quinn.
0: Now, if all of this sounds still like a crazy fad, kind of like those blue chip stamps we talked about at the beginning of the show, well, maybe it is. But consider this little tidbit of trading history. These Satoshi Square traders might be using a fancy digital currency but they're behaving a lot like stock traders in 1790. Back then, if you wanted to do a little business speculating, you would need to know a broker with connections, or... (laughs) You could head over to that street with the big wall and mosey on into the crowded coffee shop with a big sycamore tree out front. Investors there could trade shares of new businesses, hand-to-hand in the shadow of that tree, known then as a buttonwood tree. And eventually, the spot was so well-known for stock trading and so busy that a group of regulars decided to formalize their business with something called the Buttonwood Agreement, you know, named after the tree. And that eventually became the New York Stock Exchange, which has stayed on Wall Street ever since. Isn't that clever? I don't know, could there be a Bitcoin exchange ever downtown? They could sign, I guess virtually sign, the Whole Foods Agreement. There would be quinoa and kale salad at the reception for everyone on the opening day. No?
1: I'm almost certain that I remember reading that, that Warren Buffett owned the Blue Chip Stamp Company at some point.
0: We will check that and get back to you, okay. Jim. Okay, now here's your answer, Jim. In the 70s, Warren Buffett invested in Blue Chip Stamps. And Blue Chip Stamps was investigated by the SEC in 1975 to find out if they committed fraud in purchasing another company. And Blue Chip Stamps, the company, was charged a $115,000 penalty, but Warren Buffett was not named in the SEC's findings. The oracle remained blemish-free. Really hope this new tech city made Bitcoins actually interesting. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Anoushah Marodi.
4: I think you're terrific, Alex. Oh, thanks, thanks I, Gina. I, it's been
2: a pleasure. Yeah, I really hope great. I hope we can help you out and, and get those bitcoins back.
4: Oh, uh, I'm so proud of your company. Your parents <laughs> oh, must you. be so proud of you. <laughs>